The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Praise to the Lord. O let all that is in me adore him. All that has life and breath, come now with praises before him. Let the Amen sound from his people again. Gladly, forever adore him. Amen. I invite you to open up your scriptures to Psalm 145. We're going to be looking at Psalm 145 together today. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you. O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. To make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words, and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling, and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Well, good day to you. This is Pastor Keeker, and I am sitting in the beautiful sanctuary of Trinity Lutheran Church in Clinton, Missouri. And I am joined today with Quentin Harrison. Hello. Welcome, Quentin. <laughs> How are you doing? Fine. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for being here because life is a little chaotic for you right now. You are right in the middle of moving to Texas. Yes, sir. Tyler, Texas. Yeah, so thanks for taking some time of your day. I'm glad you're able to come here. I wanted to get one of these in with you before you and your family move away from me. This is not fair. Everything's better in Texas, I guess. We'll see no. about the, the church life. but Everything's bigger in Texas. That's true. They say. The promised land is what they refer to it as. Are you serious? Yeah. See, you're already getting that big head. The Texas, the Texas swagger. Head. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell me about Texas. What will you be doing in Texas? So in Texas, I will work for UT Healthcare. Uh, I'll be the senior administrator for their rural health clinics. 
I'll have several clinics all around Tyler, Texas, about a hundred mile radius. More than just several. How many clinics? Twelve. Twelve. That's a dozen. That's a dozen. Maybe a baker's dozen. They said something about thirteen to start with. Yeah, we might just have you start at thirteen one. Yeah. So I'll be busy. Uh, my wife Ashley will be teaching at Brook Hill, which is a, a Christian school down there, and all three of our kiddos will be going there. So, big changes in life, that's for sure. Yeah, and this is all unfolding in the next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, the 15th will be the day we haul off in the truck and don't look back. Mm. How are you feeling about all of this? Uh, good actually. Uh, we actually went back in February to visit Tyler for the very first time. And in February, we were thinking we would be moving in March. Uh, UT was going to send me an offer and we came home, uh, sent thank you letters back to everybody. And uh, the second week we were home, COVID hit. Yeah. And the world turned on its side. Mm -hmm. uh, so we took it as God was saying, you know, rest for a while. Yeah, just wait. Wait and trust and know my plan is good. And so we kept talking to the people at uh, the hospital and kept talking and mm -hmm. homeschooling. <laughs> doing all the things. Doing all the things. Itching to get to Walmart again. <laughs> Uh, finally, about six weeks ago now, they reached back out and said, you know, stick with us. Things are starting to look a little better. And we went down two weeks ago and talked to them again and uh, came back home and they said, we're going to send you that offer. We're ready. We want you. We want you to come. So God's timing is funny sometimes, but it's always good. He's always working on us, teaching us things. Um, it is good, but it's not easy. No. Some trying times in those uh, three or four months where you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and uh, the phone call doesn't come, and it, you know, we can't get to anyone. But yeah, we just you keep hanging on to the promise. God will, will provide the daily bread, and we'll see you through, and here you are. Oh, that's... You know, when we went in February, we were preparing ourselves and the kids and our church family and our families and work. And so when we came back, then everybody started asking, have you heard? Yeah. Have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? Right. It's tiring. And so we were. It was one of those things. Usually I'm a very... Um, very engaged thinker and like trying to to do things and make things happen and it was one of the only times in my life where being in Tyler and then thinking about the job and the position I was just at peace with you know this is what God wants but he wants us to rest and to wait nice. um, to focus on him more instead of you know, going to check those boxes or get the things done that I think need to be done. And so while it was everybody else's anxiety about trying to know what our plan was, I was, you know, it was one of those things like, I know it's gonna happen. 
and it'll be great when it does, but we're just waiting, you know, so. Yeah, it's good that you saw it as an opportunity to rest for what it was, you know, because anytime we're, I'm not going to say that control is taken away from us, anytime the illusion of the control that we thought we had is taken away from us, um, we tend to fight against that. Like, I don't like being out of control, and you're dealing with COVID, we're all dealing with COVID-19, and you know, you said the world turned on its side. You know, our whole lives turned upside down. And then on top of that, you're not in control of this job offer, right? Like you put yourself out there. Here's who I am. Here's my talents. Here's my experience. But you don't get to control whether the offer gets slid across the table or not, right? So you're just sure. waiting on the phone call. And um, those are so th that's an opportunity there. And people take it one or two ways. I see people who who this COVID-19 thing happens, or job gets thrown up in the air, happens, and they see it as an opportunity to double down and work more and try to seize control. And it's like a, it's very slippery. It's like trying to catch the air, but you can't do it, and it's maddening. And then there's people like you that see it as an opportunity to rest. It's like, okay, I have no control over this, so I'm going to rest and know that God will me through and I think that is one of the blessings of this lack of control or anytime God moves in our lives to strip any sort of illusion of control out of our hands is that is an opportunity to recognize uh, yeah he's in control and I don't need to be and that's a good thing um, there was this there's this book by Joseph Pieper called Leisure Basis of Culture. Uh, have you read it? It's a good one. He's a, stop me if I've already said this to you. I feel like I might have said this to you before. He's a German, he was a German uh, pastor right after World War II. So he's standing there on the rubble of Germany. I mean, Germany had been completely decimated. It's, those were bad times to be in Germany after World War II. And, he, and plenty of opportunity to get to work. You know, the whole country needed to be rebuilt. Political systems needed to be rethought. Citizens needed to get back to work. Buildings needed to be raised. Everyone's getting back to work. And this pastor stands on the rubble and he says, the first thing we should do isn't work, but rest. And think and experience what he calls leisure. Um, seeing it as an opportunity to rest first, rather than immediately just jumping into more do, 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 do. And I see that happening right now. We didn't have a World War II happen, but this pandemic has it's presented every single one of us with the same opportunity. You're standing on the rebel of whatever changed in your life. So did you immediately jump to more work? Got to do this, got to do that, got to do this. Or are you resting in it? Like, okay, I don't have to spend two hours every week in Walmart. I can just order my groceries, go up, pick it up, and it's fine. And that's an extra two hours of my week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I like when I'm engaging with someone who is seeing this as an opportunity for rest because it just seems like our default is always work. I gotta come up with more work. And in my profession, that's very tempting for pastors 
It's like, well, I got to do two hours of Bible study on Facebook Live every day for my people because they need it. It's like, well, what, was I doing that before COVID? Right. You know, did they, do they really need it? Or, or is it just a checkbox? Yeah, is it something that I'm doing to just escape the, the pause button the Lord is giving to me to just take and just rest? Here's my analogy for this. And I might edit all of this out. <laughs> you're gonna you tell me if this is good to go. Okay. So this is gonna get a little a little dicey for church language, but if we can't talk about sex in church, then then we can't talk about it anywhere. Um, okay. It's true. Here's here's my analogy, Quinn. Um, what's the bedroom for? In my house, the bedroom is for sleeping and for sex. Okay. Okay, that's the purpose of the bedroom. Okay. Now, if I take my phone into my bedroom, studies show that when you take your phone into your bedroom, it's the last thing you look at before you go to bed, and it's the first thing you look at when you wake up. And by taking your phone into your bedroom, you're introducing a third purpose of the bedroom. The bedroom's not just for sleep and for sex, but it's also for consuming news, okay? So, here's my analogy. If the Lord would send a pandemic on our land that took everyone's phones away from them before they could go into their bedroom, how many of us would go into our bedroom tonight and immediately look for some sort of way to consume the news again? because that's what we have to do, or we think we have to do, versus how many of us would take the rest and then look at our lives and be like, oh, hey, <laughs> maybe this is what the bedroom's for. Sure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, there's, I can't think of his name, it's Simon, he, he gives TED Talks. Simon okay. Something. But he talks about cell phones and their addictive natures. And um, I listened to it about a year ago, but I bought an alarm clock. Yeah. An alarm clock to get the cell phone out of the bedroom. Out. And I put it in the box somewhere, but. Yeah. I think. Wait, the alarm clock? The alarm clock. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think there is um, just a ridiculous amount of people that. That's their life. Mm-hmm. Life is not, and I, I honestly believe, like, if there's something to learn through the pandemic, it's not your life is about people that play sports or like your social media feed. Nobody can do anything yeah. during this pandemic, and it's really to focus back on your relationship with God, your relationship with your kids and your family. Like, he's like, here, you're stuck in your dwelling now together. Um, spend time with each other. There's no new shows on. There's no football. There's no baseball. There's no basketball. Like, spend time with each other. Give back to loving each other. Love me. Like, it's pretty simple. Yeah. I, this is why I think there is. it is a good thing when the pause button gets hit on our life or things get taken out of our life that we thought we needed. I thought I needed that for peace. And then once it gets taken away from me, I realize maybe that wasn't actually giving me peace because 
actually, with that out of my life, I am filled with more peace. And the same thing, not just with the bed, but with the, with the dining room table. You know, the thing, these things that we have in our lives, they're there for a purpose. We're the ones who are always adding more and more work or more and more things to the dining room table, right? Dining room tables for eating food and conversation with family. But if you take your phone to the dining room table, you're checking out, right? And I, this is something that we all struggle with. And the question is, you know, well, what do I do? Like, because we're so tethered to our phones. It's like that's my alarm clock. That's you know, that's become such a huge part. It tells me what the weather is first thing in the morning. I need to know that. So what do I do? You know, that's like, well, yeah, you have, you have to get an alarm clock. And you got to get the phone out of the room. And I struggle with this, too. Like, I'll, I'll walk into the room still because I've been trying to make this my practice. But I'll, my phone will find its way in our bedroom. And I'll crawl into bed, and all of a sudden I'm like, what am I doing? I'm get this thing out. You know, I, 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 have, I have to do all these checks and balances. It's like... I don't put my charger in my room because I know wherever I hook my phone up to the charger, that's where it's going to be. So I, I intentionally put the charger to my phone out as far away from our room as we possibly can. It's, it's out in our living room. So my phone is less likely to end up in the bedroom. And I did buy the alarm clock. And it's old school, sure. but it's, my phone's not the first thing I look at in the morning. If the phone is right there by my bed, I'm going to look at it first thing in the morning, you know, see if there was any emergency emails at 2 a.m. Right. I didn't see, you know. It's sure. like, no. Yeah. That's, so he talks about that, too, even like having my phone sitting here, neither one of us are using it, but it's a distraction between the two of us yeah. as a third person. And even like in business meetings, you know, I go and sit around the table with 20 or 30 other people five minutes before a meeting starts and everyone's sitting like this. Yeah. Instead of engaging each other, um, it really made you lose that personal connection. Like even if I had a meeting with my leadership team, you know, I'd do the weird thing and say, all right, everybody put your phone over here. We're not even gonna, you know, like look at them. Mm -hmm. If somebody needs us, they can come get us. Yeah, right. But even just me having it in my pocket or you can hear it vibrate. It, it's like this weird love connection we have with mm -hmm. our, our cell phones. Yeah. And even like the, the ghost vibration. Right. You're like, oh, I don't even have my phone, but yeah. I know it just vibrated. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I need to go find it. Is that my ringtone? I randomly hear, no, that was nothing. Yeah. But even when you said, you know, the first thing I, I look at if my phone's in the room is I look at my phone the first thing instead of like, Hey, there's my beautiful wife, wife. or yes. there's one of our kids, or yeah. like, thank you, Lord, for letting me wake up. Right, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, looking at my wife and like, wow, I'm blessed. You yeah. Know? Like, this is good. I hardly look at my phone, and that's the first thing that goes through my head. It's, sure. Wow, I'm blessed. You know, it's usually like, arr, arr, what is this? It's yeah. going to rain today. We have a meeting at 8 30. Uh, Who did that? Exactly. Yeah, these things do, you don't need to worry about first thing in the morning. I just went to a seminar a couple weeks ago that was about all the new opportunities to engage your people in light of COVID 19 and the new opportunities to engage your community, which I'm all for, right? These, there are new opportunities to work here. I'm not against that. But what I, what I keep saying to them is, but what about the opportunities to rest? 
Like, why aren't we talking about that, too? The opportunities for the pause button in our lives, the opportunities to get rid of the things that we didn't really need to begin with. Like, maybe we didn't need to bring our phones into their bedrooms anymore, and that got taken away from us. Maybe we didn't need to do that and this. And, um, let's just get back to the basics of what things were made for. And I get, like, these weird eyes, like, you're lazy. But it's it's hard to have that middle ground where you're holding up the importance and the honor of work and the need to work, but also holding up the importance to rest. It's like you can't do both in our society, and that's Joseph Pieper's big thing, is we're in a work culture where we've forgotten what leisure is. We take vacations for the sake of working more efficiently. And a vacation for the sake of coming back so I can work more efficiently is work in itself. Like we're not, we don't even know how to vacation properly. And one of my, um, one of my math teacher in high school said this, and I thought there's a lot of wisdom in that. She said, Americans are the only people who will go on vacation and they'll come back exhausted from their vacation. We don't know. We don't know how to rest. That's true. And it's like, yeah, I come back from vacation and I'm exhausted. Then you did it wrong. <laughs> right. Well, and a lot of people take those and still. Yeah, and the phone has a lot to do with it. That's why when I go on vacation, I my phone's off. Yeah. Whole week. No, I think that's that's one of the greatest things I've probably learned from you is like your family day. Like, you know, it's got to be like today is the day that. Nothing is more important than them. Yeah. And they know that. Yeah. You know, that's huge for your kids to know nothing is more important than you. Everybody's so worried about what everybody else thinks, but at the end of the day, we all think it. Yeah. Like, just because there's kids present or could listen, they need to know that someday they're going to be married. The most important thing in your marriage is your bedroom and your ability to talk. Communicate, have sex, spend time together. Just like God created sex for us to enjoy with our spouse. It's yeah. not a, right. It's not something to run from. No. And the more we don't talk about it, the more kids feel like it's bad. Yeah. There's a reason they're not talking about it. You're jumping right into where I want to go with this. Perfect. <laughs> so many things there that you said, but but we have we have in the psalm this. It's a whole song about praise, praising God for all of his attributes, praising God. So there's this element of we should be praising the Lord for his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his steadfast love endures forever. And then verse 12 tells us to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds. So we should be passing on to our kids the mighty deeds of God by praising him. So I want I want to go there. That's where I wanted to go um, with this podcast with you today. But before we do that, you also set me up for the family and something I was going to explore a little bit with you because whenever I see Quentin, I see a family man. And even before we start our podcast, the first thing you come in here talking about is your family, wife, <laughs> the kids, your move, you know. And, and you're, you're one of those men who is maintaining that proper balance that I can, we, none of us do it perfectly, but you're aware of the family. You're, you delight to 
um, honor your wife, your spouse, raise your kids to know the Lord. Like their needs are evidently important to you. You're a family guy. And so, um, but you don't like minivans. I don't, I, no. <laughs> this is not a minivan podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I'm not going to get you to, to embrace the, the joys of minivan life. The joys of minivan But your, your, your father, your husband, um, what's the best thing about being a dad? There are a lot of awesome things about being a dad. Um, but being able to tuck them in and know they had a safe day, a good day, um, and being able to thank God for that every day. That's probably one of my favorite things about being a dad is sharing faith with them, letting them know that it's okay to be afraid because God's got your back in everything. Um, and it's things that, you know, being afraid of the dark, or what if something bad happens, or, um, you know, with COVID, like, can we even go to Walmart anymore? Um, you know, whatever we go through in life, knowing that I'm your dad here on earth, and I'm trying to do a good job, but you have somebody bigger, better, and perfect that you can always rely on. Because we'll not always agree. You know, you may be a Cardinals fan. And I am a Cardinals fan. <laughs> we're, we're royals through and through, yeah. but um, just, we will disagree in life, and you probably won't like me at stages in life, but you always have God to, to run to, or um, they'll always protect you. And, that's that's probably my favorite thing about being a dad to three little three little ones. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of fun, but at the end of the day, when they lay down and ask to to have a Bible verse or say, "Hey, we haven't prayed yet," um, there's nothing better than than that. Yeah, you. I love so okay. I love everything you just said. You brought up a lot. Uh, first, you you talked about keeping your children safe. Like that's a good day when you can tuck them in to bed and they were safe. And that protective role of the father, keeping the children safe from harm and danger, that is a role that we delight in. But then you but then you immediately jump to. It's like the two things that every dad like takes the most joy in: keeping our children safe, and then raising them to know the Lord. Like you immediately jumped from that to um, pointing them right to their heavenly Father, right? Praising God, hearing their prayers, and that is, and I mean, you hit the nail on the head because those two things, when it comes to being a dad for me. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it, a lot of it boils down to those two things. I'm, I'm going to be your protector. You should feel safe under my care. But also, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, raise you to know the Lord. And I've been, I, I've been chewing on this. And I'll, I've, been, I've caught myself tripping up on this 
all week, and I was waiting for you to trip up on it, and you didn't. I want to talk. I want to explore this idea of praising God with you to our children, because we're told in verse twelve to make known to our the children of man your mighty deeds, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Okay, so praising. Um, <laughs> I want to start here. Do we praise anything? And throughout our day, oh yeah. Because I mean, most of the day for me, it's complain, complain, complain. I got this that's wrong. This, you know, it's like I spend a lot of. If you ask me if I spend any of my day complaining, it wouldn't take me long to be like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm aggravated about this, and I can't. You know? Yeah, I see that. But I see that in a lot of people. Okay, but you brought up the Kansas City Chiefs. You went into sports. Sure. This, this is the thing. Like, what do we? Throughout our day, because our children are watching, like they're listening to sure. us, they pick up on what we praise, and what we praise naturally, they end up praising too. So, I'm a Cardinals fan. My dad was a Cardinals fan, right? I'm a Toyota guy because my dad was a Toyota guy. I grew up hearing my dad talk about how Toyotas were great and they run forever. So I drive Toyotas now, right? What do you drive? I drive a Silverado. A GM? A Chevy? Yeah. See, those are horrible. <laughs> My dad complained about them all the time growing up. So I also see them as, what are you doing driving a Chevy? Why Jeff Gordon drive? That's true. You <laughs> <Dupont> Chevrolet. <laughs> gotcha. So, yeah. <laughs> So, and, I, and why did I like NASCAR? My yeah. dad liked NASCAR, right? But he liked Dale Earnhardt, so that's where we did have a little bit of a disagreement. But by, by and large, the things that I praise are the things my own father and mother praise. And so I'm, I'm aware of, okay, what am I praising in front of my children? Because whatever I'm praising in front of them and whatever I'm complaining about in front of them is going to shape what they praise and what they complain about too. So you said, yeah, you praise things. What do you, what do you praise throughout the day in front of your kids? So uh, probably the biggest thing would be like when we pray, um, because most people when they pray always start with like, you know, my family, protect my family, my friends. Um, <clears throat> but I always try and say thank you before I say anything. Yeah. Thank you for my day, thank you for our health, well-being, whatever it is. Um, there's actually uh, a Crowder song made me start doing this. Okay. And it just randomly hit me one day, but it's, it's red letters, and so he's singing, and then it kind of towards the end, he just, he changes the words to say thank you God. Like, it's very, um, praiseworthy, like even how he says it, he just is like, thank you, God. And it gives me chills whenever I hear that song, but it's like, we do need to thank God before we complain to God or yeah. give him our list of, why aren't you doing this in my life or this? And so um, it's been probably about a year, but every night, the first thing I do when I pray is, like to make sure I say thank you. That's good. Even like with Ashley, uh, my like I want my boys to grow up and be good husbands and fathers, and so 
I always try and tell her how pretty or kind or nice or thankful I am that she did the laundry or the dishes or for feeding us again just because I want them to hear me say nice things about their mom instead of yeah. this went wrong or this went wrong or right. our, our life is crazy, you know, like let's, it should always, I always want them to hear positive mm -hmm. um, so that one day they will hopefully be positive. Praising their wives. So you're, I mean, you're praising your wife, but you're intentionally doing it in front of the children. Sure. Because they're, they're mirroring, right? Whatever we praise, they're going to end up mirroring that. And that, you know, praising their mother, our wife, praising the family, you know, praising the kids, yep. that's good practice. Um, you said, so, okay, so talk, specifically talking about praising God, this is where I've, I've been getting tripped up. Um, I read the psalm, and the psalm, it's a whole psalm of praising God, and it's always for his attributes. Um, the Lord is gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger, he's abounding in steadfast love, the Lord is good to all, his mercy is over all that he has made. Um, so the psalmist, which is David, he's praising God simply for who he is. And I've been looking at and evaluating when I, what language am I using when I start talking about God? with my children and immediately first thing that hit me was my last conversation I had with Levi on uh, Thursday this past Thursday my sister and her fiance were coming to stay with us this weekend and and Addison and Levi were there Addison's seven Levi's four and Addison goes well they can sleep in my bed and I'll go sleep in Levi's bed right and so immediately Here's an opportunity to teach our children about what the Lord says, right? And I say, they can't sleep together. And Addison goes, why not? And I say, because God says they shouldn't. Oh, okay. And that was the extent of the conversation. Now, what did I just do? I talked about God to my kids, but I gave them a law from God. Sure. I didn't pray. There were so many opportunities to praise God for his gifts and how, you know, like um, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful. He's gracious and merciful. But I didn't say any of that. I just said, God doesn't, God doesn't want that. Right. You know, yeah. and so how am I forming my kids if all that I talk about when it comes to God is you shall not? Or he says, no. Or you shouldn't do that. That's important. But see, you didn't get tripped up on it when you're talking. Because you're talking about in your prayers, you're like, uh, he's always faithful. He'll take care of you. He'll protect you. Even when I fail, he'll watch over you. That's the kind of praise I want to fill my kids with. And I, it just doesn't come naturally to me. What comes naturally to me is... God said, honor your father and mother. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> sure, sure. Right? Like, it's easy to beat our kids up over the head with God's word without first praising him. So I like that practice of thanking God first for all of his gifts so our kids are hearing that as well as the law side. But I'm, I'm failing at this, Quentin. You know, I, how many things have I said lately, like I'd hate to see the last 20 comments I've made in front of my kids about God and then be like, so did you praise him at all? Was, was this a good conversation? <laughs> or did you just terrify the crap out of your kids? You know? 
Well, so one of one of the things that I've learned throughout like leadership trainings and things is you always have to present more positive than negative. Yeah. So like if if I have to have a bad conversation on your performance and say you're you know, you're not getting something done correctly, I should be able to deliver three positive things you're doing mm -hmm. before I deliver the one negative. Yeah. Because if you only hear negative, your performance is not going to increase. It's going to stay the same, but probably go down. Right. And so it's always just kind of in my nature to try and be more positive than negative. And so, yeah. I mean, God needs the same. Yeah. But I agree, the law is kind of like what we just talked about. It's easy to go back to because we do know it. Yeah. And it's simple. It's black and white. Yeah. And sometimes when we, we start talking about things like sex in the bedroom, mm -hmm. we get like, well, you know, like it's got to be black and white. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes we just need to be able to have the conversation and say the things that, you know, like, I, I know you, you, you're not going to understand fully, right. but they're not married yet. And, you know, you know what God says about marriage. Yeah. But he gives it to us as a gift as well. And it's such a precious gift. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you should, I mean, if you can't list three positive things about God and his gift of marriage. Sure. Um, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it then. Well, and this gets back to how do we impress upon our kids. I mean, this is what the psalmist lifts up. Make known to your children God's mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of his kingdom. So that's what we're to be praising, God's mighty works, the things he's done. The way we do that as parents, day-to-day -day life, these conversations that I'm talking about, but also bringing them to the Lord's house. Because in the Lord's house... That is an act of parental, hey, this is, I mean, in this home, um, we hear God's mighty deeds, and the greatest one of which is his son dying on that cross for you and being raised from the dead for you. So we are filling them up here, but, but then we go home, and it's like you need to continue the practice of proclaiming God's mighty works, all of the things he's done, and if that doesn't come natural, like it, it doesn't to me. That's what devotions are for. Like read a devotion at the, at the dining room table before dinner where the author lifts up God and praises his attributes. And, and then look for those opportunities in the daily conversations where, yeah, maybe some law needs to be given because as parents, we, we're responsible for raising them up to know and fear the Lord. But make, I like the thought of, well, let's also list some positives here. Though. Sure. <laughs> Soften it. Marriage is such an amazing gift from God, and it's very important. And he loves husbands and wives so, so much. And he loves your mommy and I so, so much. And, and uh, yeah, that's good. But you know, it's like a parent, sometimes you have to say, like when you're talking to your kids, who's in charge? Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's to show that we're in charge. But sometimes I think we think, I hope they say it's me. Because I need that reassurance in myself. And so sometimes we say things as adults so that we can believe them more. Mm -hmm. 
And so I get that feeling from David that he's saying it because he knows it's true of God, but he also needs to hear it himself. Yeah. So like he's saying, you are great. Yeah, he is great. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I got that feeling of sometimes when we say praise or you know, pray at night and thank God, it's for our own mind to say, you know, Satan, I, I feel you working, but I know God is great and good because our minds are so crazily wired sometimes, yeah. we lose track of the things. And so when we give thanks or praise, it's so God can hear us, but it's so we can hear it in our heart and be like, yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, it was a, a good psalm to read, especially with Ashley, to get her input and thoughts on just the love that God does have for each of us. Yeah, the so the, so the idea of confessing back to God what he's already confessed to me. So the Lord is the one who has said, I am gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He told us that. And so now we simply just repeat back to him what he said to me. So he says, I am slow to anger. And we say, you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And by doing that, we're telling ourselves, our God is slow to anger and he does abound in steadfast love. And it does have a way of... um, well, his word is his word is like the reset button for us, right? Because um, <clears throat> I need to be told and reminded that God is love and that His love covers you, and I, I need to be told everything David prays for in this psalm because I read it and I go, "What a great God we have!" You know, like. Um, Every day I will bless you. I'll praise your name forever and ever. Uh, His greatness is unsearchable. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They will speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. His mercy is over all those he has made. All your works will give thanks to you. They speak the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. It's powerful. It is. It's. Uh, it helps give me the language that I need to praise God to my children, so that they. Like, do I want my kids growing up to be Cardinals fans? You betcha. <laughs> um, this would be an interesting study sometime. Uh, the frequency or the similarities between parents' political leanings and children's political leanings. Um, you know, do I want my children uh, valuing the same sort of hobbies that I value? You know, I don't. Yeah. I'd like to see my kids be runners or be athletic, like being sports or find joy in those things. Um, but all of that aside, if I if I get a kid who loves the Royals, God forbid. Oh, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> or uh, you know, loves to drive Chevrolets, um, but they know the Lord. 
and they are they are praising him and passing that on to their children. I've got it all, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing as dads that we want the most out of our kids, like to know Christ, to know the mighty deed that our Lord has done for you and Christ crucified. For you, your sins are forgiven. He loved you so much that he died for you. And he will protect you. And he'll watch over you. He'll defend you on that last day when he comes again. And you're safe in his arms. And for my child to know that, well, that's our, that's our aim as parents. For doing that, everything else can fall through the cracks, I think. Sure. You know, that's kind of top of my list. And I don't do it, I don't do it that well. I just admitted my own faults last week. I didn't handle that conversation very well. But, you know, taking our children to church so that they can hear there and using help of devotions or saying the prayers or some, I'll sing hymns with them. All those things are ways where we can impress upon our kids rightful praise of God and declare his mighty deeds. Absolutely. And you read, um, it's one of the, the verses says it's for everyone. It's, he loves all. Yeah. It's, it's not just um, the ones that we think deserve it. Right. It's, it's all of us. And that to me is sometimes one of the hardest things is just because I don't like somebody or like that they like whatever, the color red or blue, and, uh, he still loves them. Yeah. That's one of the, the lessons that I hope that our kids get and still is, it doesn't matter if they uh, come from the same background or uh, you know whatever, God still loves them and you need to treat them as such. I think that's one of the hardest things for even adults as we get in our minds that just because they live that way, it's we can't love them, but we should love them. Yeah, it's like the people, the people in your life or the things that you see and you go, how? Like I don't get it. How could how could God possibly love them? Yes. <laughs> right. I don't understand. Like, that person so twisted, so backwards. How could he love them? That's the point. He loves you. That much. That much. Right? And when we look, and so once the mirror is turned on us, and I see my own wickedness, my own sin, my own shame, my own shortcomings, and yet Jesus loved me so much, he died for me. And his love is to all. His goodness is to all. That makes me want to praise him more. Because how... I could never love people that way. But he does. Um, I went to Vegas for my 21st birthday. My grandparents <laughs> took me out. <laughs> so before you get too wild... I was like, oh, okay. This is my grandparents. This is like my, my grandma and grandpa. It was like their thing. Like, when you turn 21, we're taking you out to Vegas. So here I go, out to Vegas, 21, year old, 21 years old with Grandma and Grandpa. And we stayed at the Flamingo. That doesn't sound right. The Fleming, 
Was it downtown downtown? Oh, we were on the Strip. Yeah. But have you been to Vegas? Yeah. Okay, so whole new world. Absolutely. You have the uh, you know the people who line the streets with like the porn cars. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Flipping them. Flipping them, clicking them, and like you try to look away and you like look down at the ground, but then the ground's littered yeah. with porn cars. And, and so you try to escape that those temptations of lust, and you you go into a casino and there's people just like pulling on the thing, and you know they're like their kids' college funds out the window, they're spending every last dime they have for the family, they're addicted to the gambling. And the first two days I was in Vegas, I was truly disgusted at everything I was seeing. And I remember being so frustrated in my own self-righteousness, thinking, how could Jesus love these people? I can love these people, but Jesus loves these people, so that's great. And that's like kind of where I was for two days. And then it hit me, after three or four days, it just I remember it just drilling right in the face, and I'm sitting there in tears at this, you know, at this blackjack table or whatever, and people are probably thinking <laughs> it's tears <laughs> not because I lost the hand, but because it hit me that I'm no different. Yeah. I'm no different than the porn addict on the side of the road or the guy gambling the life savings for the kids. They're all sinners, yeah. That's bad, yeah. God's against those things. They're not good for you, yeah. I'm a sinner too. I'm wicked too. I'm twisted and my priorities get backwards too. And Jesus yet yeah, loves me just as much as he loves them. And I'm sitting there in tears because I'm like, his love does endure forever. And if his love is for them, that means it's also for me because I'm no different. We're all in the same boat. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and yet, justified by His grace. So I don't want to impress upon my kids that those people are really bad, and you're good, right? I want to impress upon them God's love is for all. His love covers you. Um, he's slow to anger, and He abounds instead of that love. Um, yeah, because otherwise we raise up a generation that loves to complain and judge, which as a human being, I have no problem doing. Yeah, that's pretty easy. <laughs> that comes natural. <laughs> yeah, but actually praising people is weird, it's difficult, it's strange, and then but praising the Lord in front of others, well, that's what we practice when we come into church on Sunday morning. Right? We practice hearing our Father give us the words to say, and then we say them back to Him, so our kids learn how to praise Him. So it's not enough for one hour a week, but it's a start. Yeah. Well, I think that's where as parents we can fill in a lot of that. Um, it's as simple as like having praise music on in your car. Yeah. If that's all they ever hear, it's second nature. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things for us to do is, like, we'll be going somewhere to Sedalia or, you know, even driving into town to grab McDonald's at 7 o'clock at night. A song will come on, and I'm like, oh, they probably don't know this. And then Luella or Lennox or Landry will start singing or, like, humming along or know the words, and I'm just like, I would rather have that than anything else in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. 
that they know and uh, have their their faith and their priorities straight. Little ways to fill the day with the good Lord. Indeed. So I'm I'm going to end this podcast by praising you um, before you hit the road to Tyler, Texas, and start a whole new journey. But I just I want you to know that you and your family have been a huge blessing to me and my family. And when I see you, I see a man who really does find purpose and joy in sacrificing for his family, his wife, and his kids. And um, I'm going to miss you big time. And Ashley, and Lennox, and Landry. And don't get me started on the wall. I mean, that girl's so cute. Um, but I'm excited for your family and the opportunities and the adventure that lies ahead. But Thank you. it's been an incredible blessing to have known you. Stay in touch. Don't be a stranger, please. Right. Every blessing to you um, as you move. And uh, I can speak on behalf of the whole church family here at Trinity. We're going we're gonna to miss seeing the Harrison family in the pews here every Sunday. Well, thank you. We will... We've already <laughs> talked about how often we'll be back. And, um, it's only an eight-hour drive. <laughs> it's, it's what we keep coming back to. Eight hours. It's only an eight-hour drive. <laughs> yeah, but it's 16 round oh, yeah. And those, yeah. But I think it'll be important uh, to come back. And, you know, we still have grandparents and great-grandparents that are alive. And, we're, we're big family people, so we'll be we'll be here. And I keep telling everybody, you know, we'll we'll be back and forth, and we will, you know, just all our life is here, and it'll be weird to have them with us and drive away and leave it in the rear view, but it'll be fun, you know, it'll be good. And who knows? Opportunities may open up back home, and you never know. Well, the, the church doors are always open. Always. It's funny. Have we told you about the church down there? Uh, tell me about the church down so, there. I think people who listen to this would enjoy it. We went to church in February when we originally went because we thought we were going to be moving then. So we're like, okay, we've got to have the schools narrowed down. We have to attend, you know, a church service and make sure it's not like, oh gosh, <laughs> we can't because of the church. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so we go to church, and it's kind of in the middle of a neighborhood in Tyler, the church we went to. And so we walk in the doors, and we're greeted with all our same people from church here. You know, there's a Dylan Bonnie Coke giving hugs at the front door. <laughs> How's everything? Who are you people? Like, <laughs> giving us the grand tour. Um, you know, there's just, it's just the the light fixtures were almost exactly the same. They may have been a shade lighter in, in yellow. LCMS church. Yes, LCMS church. Same architecture. Yeah, same beam, same wind ceiling, just... There must be an LCMS like church catalog. I think they're... <laughs> I mean, the only difference, they still had the things you could kneel on. Kneelers, yeah. And uh, just, it was, 
it was funny and we laughed and joked about that for, we still do. We're like, it's going to be the same. You know, there's a Jerry Cox that walks in. I was going to ask if there a Jerry Cox. Oh, yeah, there's a Jerry Cox. There's, I mean, just everybody. And they were calling a pastor while we were there, so we had a guest pastor. So we didn't get, like, to know the real pastor. But everybody that was there, was it was just like walking in the doors here. You know, you felt, That's felt the same. Um, so we're hoping they have they get like a young redheaded pastor <laughs> a cardinal that, that cheers for the wrong baseball team. God's love's on the on Cardinals fans. That's right. But yeah. it was just and every time we've been, Tyler, like I said earlier, like I'm usually a person that my mind goes a million miles an hour. Mm-hmm. But the past couple of times we've been, I've just been so at peace. Um and just knowing in the midst of chaos and COVID and, you know, where am I going to work at? What are we going to do? Like, school's going to start at some point. Like, in the midst of chaos, to be able to sleep better at night, mm-hmm. to be at peace, just, it's, it's, it's what God wants for us. And so. Yeah, there's nothing better than sleeping on the boat in the middle of the storm. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. the only kind of peace that Jesus can give. But yeah, that would be my message this month, that look for opportunities for rest. Um, And in those opportunities to rest, praise the Lord and His mighty deeds. And um, yeah, enjoy the adventure. It'll be fun. It will be fun. It'll be good because uh, you have a wonderful family. So, no surprise, we started with family, we ended with family. The whole middle of the conversation was about family. You are a family. <laughs> thanks, Quinn, for being here with me today. Thank you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Go, my children, with my blessing, never alone. Waking, sleeping, I am with you, you are my own. In my love's baptismal river, I have made you mine forever. Go, my children, with my blessing. You are my own.